Blog Talk Radio. gentleman's last show believe it or not so I wanted to make sure I was there because I was there from the beginning whoa okay all right now I can hear you real perfect (laughs) oh that's good okay all right well before I bring sign guy on uh, I have to ask you our standard first question that has been asked for over 10 years now. How did you get started in the crazy business of wrestling? Well, actually, actually, I had, when I was in the Army, I used to take pictures, but I put the camera down for a lot of years because it broke. And when I went to Mexico back in the late 90s, I, decided, I bought another camera. I started taking pictures again. And I started taking them in, like, at the backyard shows, the indie shows, the outlaw shows, they called them. And, I, and one thing led to another. People saw my pictures, and they asked me if I'd take pictures at wrestling events. And then I moved up, and one thing led to another. And I, I've been doing it for about, oh, for, I've been working for this one company for about 17 years now, Absolute Intense Wrestling, out of Cleveland. I go to I go to many shows. I go to West Virginia, Pennsylvania, but it's quite accidental. I just fell into it. Wow. Well, when opportunity knocks, you have to get it in a headlock. So goes the same of a philosopher. That's true. Then I went one step forward. I I joined the professional organizations. I joined Cauliflower Alley Club and the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. And you, that's where you meet a lot of the wrestlers and the promoters and more of the professional people. But I'm I'm more attuned to the indie people. But I've seen a lot of indie people go up to that. They're on AEW right now and NXT, guys such as Johnny Gargano, Candice LaRue, Shayna Baszler, uh, Raymond Rowe, uh, Eddie Kingston, to name a few. Okay, well, 
seen as sign guy is on assignment at the Mirage right now, or he's uh, he might be in a coffee shop. I'm going to turn it over to sign guy so he can ask his questions. Uh, sign guy, uh, what questions do you have for Mr. Palmer? Oh, thank you, QT. Mr. Palmer, welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, you can my, call me Wayne. My, all right, Wayne. Uh, my first question for you is, if someone were to want to get into wrestling photography right now, what advice would you have them as far as what equipment they would need and how they would maybe introduce themselves to the right people to get into that type of work? Well, what I what I would suggest is a inexpensive digital camera such as a Canon, Nikon, Sony. Uh, I started taking on film, and it was very expensive at that time to develop the film. I love digital stuff. And what you do is you just what you do is I put most of my pictures on Facebook and get a following on Facebook. That would be my suggestion. And show the wrestlers the pictures you took of them, especially the indie guys. It's pretty hard to do it with the, uh, you know, WWE people and XT people. But, I mean, a lot of these indie people are going to be at AIW and NXT if they happen to stay around. One of the things that photographers a generation or two used to make full-time livings with for the wrestling magazines. You used to have a dozen or so titles on the magazine racks, but because of the magazine industry in general, you're down to just a very few select magazines. Do you think in this day and age that magazines are still an important part of wrestling photography, or do you think that that aspect is sort of archaic right now? Good question. I know a couple of the photographers that used to post to and ran magazines. I know Bill Apter and I know George Napolitano, and they probably don't give many pictures to magazines anymore. It just isn't there. I would suggest putting them on the Internet. Making yourself a Facebook page. That's the only way you're going to get out to a lot of masses of people right now. And people used to make a living selling pictures. But I I got lucky uh, in taking my indie pictures where there was a producer from the WWE saw some of my photos on on a DVD cover which was between Mia Yim and Allison Kay, where Allison Kay got her nose broke. And uh, I, I had a lot of stills, and WWE bought some pictures from me. I sold them a couple pictures because they had a Mia Yim, uh, Allison Kay angle at the, at the uh, May, May Young tournaments. I mean, it's quite accidental. I didn't really expect that to happen. I actually do it. I'm retired now. I do it because I love to do it, and I love. I'm part of. Actually, right now, wrestlers are part of a big family. 
and they try to watch out for each other, and you try to be respectful to most of them. Don't act like an a-hole to them. <laughs> now, speaking of that, I know on occasion sometimes photographers will inadvertently get in the way of a wrestler where they will uh, get an unflattering shot that circulates, something like that. Sometimes it leads to harsh feelings. Have you ever had a wrestler get especially angry at you for any reason uh, during the course of your career? I had a couple of ladies because, you know, you're taking pictures of, you know, their their butt and everything where they asked. I, I can remember on two occasions two different gals asked me to take pictures down, and I did. You just take them down. Uh what else was on my mind? Uh, yeah, that's basically it. And a lot of times, the, the funny thing about wrestling pictures is most businesses, you have to get model releases. In wrestling, people don't get model releases. So basically, they could tell you that's their uh, uh, their uh, pictures. If you're taking of them. Now, over the last many years, uh, it's become kind of more widely known in the last five years or so, but oftentimes people will date within the wrestling industry, uh, wrestlers dating other wrestlers or wrestlers dating announcers or whatever the case may be within the industry, do you get a lot of couples that come to you and want maybe like pictures done together? And maybe uh, since they know your work, they come to you for uh, photos of them as a couple just to have for their own personal collection? Never had that happen. Good question, though. I have a lot of pictures of couples like when they're in the ring together, but nothing where they've come up and asked for anything particular. One of the more challenging matches in a lot of ways has been one that is always very popular with fans, that being the Battle Royal. I'm sure it presents some challenges for photographers to do that, especially if they are at ringside with bodies coming over the top rope from every direction. Do you personally enjoy doing photos of battle royals, or do you see that as a bit more of a challenge? It really is a challenge. I try to pick one side of the ring and get the action on the ring, and I'll sit back, probably back by the rail. One thing about wrestlers, though, especially when you're taking pictures of them, they know where you're standing. They'll try to avoid you. So you don't move around. You, and if you move around, the chances of getting hit are are more likely than if you stand still. That is actually very, very true. I've had wrestlers come within inches of, of hitting me, but they didn't. So, well, I've been hit by a couple of wrestlers, and they didn't mean to do it, and they apologized. So, you know, it works the other way. But uh, battle royals are more challenging, but I like watching them because I like the, the action of a battle royal. 
And that's probably one of the most dangerous matches in a in, in wrestling, really, because you don't know whether you can get blindsided by somebody or you know that you're not ready for be hit. That is confirmed. It is a dangerous match. Now, when wrestlers have come to you and they are wanting promotional photos done, do they ask you on input as far as what gear they should wear or how they should uh, be standing, that type of thing? Or is all of that up to the individual wrestler if they come to you for promotional photos? That's up to the individual wrestler. Right now, uh, we are still in the dog days of summer, and in most places, especially this year, I feel like, outdoor shows are very, very common. When you do outdoor shows, do you find them more of a challenge to do well, or is it easier for you to do outdoor shows? Outdoor shows are easier to do because you don't have to worry about the lighting. You're using natural lighting, and the pictures will come out a lot better. Uh, Sometimes you've got fluorescence and you've got spotlights, and uh, goodness knows you're at the mercy of what the environment in the uh, wrestling ring. A lot of wrestling rings just use a single lamp over the ring like the old-style boxing rings. Other places you go, they'll have all the lights on and it's a whole different issue so it's i usually like to take a couple of shots to see how the pictures turn out and then i'll decide which angles i use to take pictures from obviously the most important thing for a wrestling show is the wrestling ring and especially on the independence wrestling rings vary quite a bit as far as the size of the ring, how tall or short it is, the collars they use, the type of turnbuckles that are used. There's a lot of variances in it. Do you have a particular ring that has been your favorite ring to use in photography? Well, the shorter the ring, I didn't have to run around as much because when you got a 20-foot square ring running around from one side to the other, it's different. You know, if you're working on a 16-foot ring, you you got four less feet to run, especially a lot of times I could tell when wrestlers were going to make certain moves, like when they were going to go off the top rope. I tried to get in position to get them diving, and so there was a lot of movement. Right in stage of my life, I I sit down more. I let the younger people do it. I'm not a young guy. I've been doing this since early 2005, so 15 years. So well, that is all the questions I have for you. So I'm going to pass it to QT Vokes, and he will take you the rest of the way through the interview. Okay, thank you. Appreciate the questions. Hope I uh, answered them sufficiently. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Sun Guy. All right. Thank, thank you, Sun Guy. Hello, Mr. Palmer again. 
<laughs> uh, Mr. Palmer, many famous photographs have been taken underwater by special photography equipment. Have you done much underwater photography? I tried it when I, I had a GoPro, and when I was on, I went on. Uh, do you know what the Glow Girls are? No, I, I don't. Uh, well, there was the original Glow Girls that had a TV show back in the 80s, and they had crews. And I got, uh, actually, my friend asked me to go on a cruise, and uh, we went into the Bahamas, into uh, the Gulf of Mexico, and I wanted to try my GoPro out, and I tried it underwater. It worked beautiful. Didn't leak. Had nice pictures. But I don't do much video. I'm a, I take more stills than anything else. Oh, okay. The only, All right. The only, the only video I took was years ago, and I, uh, uh, I'm trying to think. I had a Jillian Hall when she was real young. I took a couple of her matches. Oh, wow, Jillian Hall. And what state, what state were you in when you, when you photographed her? It was... It was, she she was from Kentucky, Ohio area, Ohio down towards uh, I don't know what part of Kentucky she was or in Ohio she was, but she used to come to Cleveland All Pro and to uh, another venue. Uh, trying to think the name of it, uh, name escapes me. But it was at a a soccer ring where I took the pictures at. They had a show in a soccer ring. Oh, okay. All right. Wow. And that was before well, that was be, that was before Vince paid to have her enhanced, where she had her lips enhanced, her breast enhanced. She was a very beautiful girl and lady when she was young. Well, you know, there's something about uh, women wrestlers, Wayne, that do make it to the big time. You don't see many ugly ones. <laughs> That's true. You know that old saying, "Sex sells," and advertising uh, yeah. and everything. You, you know. Yes. Okay. I I agree with you. Well, Wayne, when you were on that boat in, in uh, you say in the Bahamas, did anyone want you to go into a shark cage and photograph sharks? I'd like to have done it, but I never have. I didn't see any sharks. If I if I would have seen a shark, I would have probably set a world's record for swimming. <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> all right. Well, Wayne, do you have you ever photographed or ever met a wrestler from the West state of West Virginia area who is known as the progressive liberal? Uh, no, but I met. Uh... Oh, I'm trying to think his name. Uh, uh, I've known some wrestlers from West Virginia and taken pictures because I took pictures down to Parkersburg and Marysville, West Virginia, Fallensworth, West Virginia. Uh, I'm trying to think of the guy. He has a beard and he's got a tattoo on his head. <laughs> Buddy. Oh. I'm trying to think of the Would name you... of him. He was. Go ahead. Was was he a member of that uh, five-person crew that uh, it, they're known as, as to search down um, 
let's see, uh, woodland creatures and phantoms. Uh, they all, they a couple of them have beards, and they're all from West Virginia. I can't remember the name of the show, but uh, they're they're all large men, and they you and if they're running from a phantom or something, they usually flee in a golf cart. Was it one of them? No, it wasn't one of them, but I know what you're talking about. I, I'm sort yes. of into uh, my second love is is actually I'm into exploring and reading stories about Sasquatch and Bigfoot. We've had a lot of oh. sightings in Ohio. They have a festival every year at Salt Fork State Park in Ohio because there's been a lot of a lot of uh, Bigfoot sightings there. Yes, in Ohio, uh, don't they have a uh, creature called the Mothman? Or is that yes, Pennsylvania? They have. Yeah, that's true. The Mothman or Mossman, they've uh, they have a festival for him every year. I'm, I won't be able to go to it this year, but I'm interested. Okay, all right. Okay, yeah. The Ohio seems to be a fairly haunted state, more so than others. Maybe not Pennsylvania. That's uh, Gettysburg. You know, Gettysburg well, Battle. There's a there's haunt there's haunting. There's supposedly people found paranormal activity at the old Mansfield prison, and they have nighttime tours and ghost tours. I am going, when I come back from my vacation, I am going to the Allegheny State Hospital. It's called the Lunatic Asylum in Weston, West Virginia. There's supposedly aberrations in there, too. Well... I remember the story, and it has been mentioned uh, for this photography month uh, with some of our guests, that one guy was on a tour of Alcatraz out in California, and he snapped a picture of an empty cell, darkened empty cell, and when he had the photos uh, developed, he saw a, uh, uh, an enraged face looking back at him and staring intently at him. Alcatraz. Well, that would that would freak me out. I've been in Alcatraz. I when I went to San Francisco a few years ago. I went in there to the uh, take a tour. Now they're having nighttime tours. I was reading. Oh, that would be interesting. Yes, yes, and um, they also have a haunted aircraft carrier uh, parked near uh, Oakland, California. Actually, it's Alameda, Alameda, California. The Yorktown, and it was a World War II aircraft carrier that got hit by a kamikaze, and uh, they have tours of the Yorktown, and several people have seen men in World War II khaki uniforms climbing up and down ladders. Yeah, I think I read something about that. I didn't get a chance to do that, but my friend and I, we went on a, a, a walking ghost tour in Canal Fulton, Ohio, and they had different places where they saw aberrations, and we were hoping to see something. We went, we went into a graveyard, and we were actually like dowsing. You could actually feel the the rod pulling down in the graveyard. You know, you're holding it like a triangle. <laughs> Ooh. A, a dowsing rod. A lot of people don't know what that is. Yeah, it's like, like a triangular. Stick, and 
you hold one side of the triangle and the other, and it's got like a point on it, and you just hold it straight, and you could feel it moving down. <laughs> wow. Holy smoke. Okay. All right. Boy, that's it. All right. Well, Wayne, how many authors of wrestling book have you met? And have you met an author named Gary Morgenstein who wrote the sci-fi baseball book called A Mound Over Hell? No, I've never uh, uh, met him. The, the authors I know is John Cosper, and I know Scott Teal, and I'm trying to think of some of the other ones I've met just recently. I was in Iowa, and a couple of them were there selling their books. But I oh, usually okay. pick up, I usually I pick up books from the wrestlers selling. I don't look at the author's name a lot of time, but most of the books written are done by a third party. Uh, uh, yes, yes, they uh, they don't they. Ironically enough, don't they call the third party uh, paperback writers ghost writers? Ghost writer, <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. But they they All put right. the wrestlers they 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 make sure they're they're written in such a way, you know, because wrestlers aren't writers, and writers aren't wrestlers, so it's a mutual thing. Oh, this okay. one fellow said he wrote forty eight books in the last I don't know x amount of years. He, the one book I remember he wrote he wrote a book about Pondo. Do you know who Pondo is? Madman Pondo? Yes. The one and only. Yes, I Madman Pondo, yes. A good friend of mine. I, he looks, every time I see him, we got some inside jokes. Oh, wow. He had a crazy nickname for you. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, have you ever shared uh, several beers with Madman Pondo? Before a wrestling no, match? No, I never have. I wish I would have. Usually, uh, you sh- I sh- I don't drink because I'm diabetic, but I'll drink pop and stuff like that. But when I'm at Gold Coast in as a call, Fridays, sit and talk and hear stories. I've heard stories told by Ken Patera there and. Uh, Countless other wrestlers. <laughs> wow! Well, Ken Patera uh, built himself as the world's strongest man. He was. He was. I'd like uh, to get a remember? picture of of him and and Hen and Henry together, Mark Henry. They were the oh, world's yes. strongest men at one time. That would be a classic picture. The other person that's got a lot of stories and is very well read is Bob Roop. He's just coming out wow. with a book he wrote. But he, he ah, told I the story. I, I haven't heard of uh, Mr. Roop before. And Roop was afraid that if he won the belt, the Saudis would have killed him. Oh, you know the fans would have killed him. You know, talk about yes. you know, bringing the house down. He said Holy he was very smoke. nervous. You know, I mean, 
Rup is another Olympian along with Kurt Angle. They're both Olympic wrestlers, so they're both incredible. Now, did, you, did you yourself have a chance to watch this Olympics? Because we had uh, a bit of success in, uh, in wrestling, the freestyle wrestling. We won a couple gold medals. Did you follow the Olympics this year? I followed it, but I didn't get a chance to see the rest. I know there's a lot of wrestlers, professional wrestlers that work with guys, because Baron Von Rasky used to work with the college guys. Oh, oh, okay. At the University okay. of Minnesota, I think. Well, Mr. Palmer, do you remember a WWE segment that had the wrestler Chris Masters who would get people in the Master Lock Challenge? So I, there was a big time in my life that I didn't watch no WWE. It was like a void. I, I, went, I didn't watch much through the Attitude Era. I don't know why. I was working at that time. And I wasn't really interested in wrestling. I became wrestling when I started following the indie wrestlers. And I started following them because I saw an ad in the newspaper about a wrestling show. And we had, we had, I used to work a lot of overtime at my job and then they quit having the overtime. So I wanted to find something to do with my Saturdays or Sundays, especially Saturdays. And there was a lot of shows on Saturday that time but that wasn't that was before the internet i mean the internet now you can you can uh, find any show going on there's websites that are tell where all the shows are at that time it was just hearsay and magazine articles you know on the back of a magazine well you know you you struck at the right moment and managed to take the photographs that people wanted there was a German photographer. Are you familiar with a German photographer back in 1961 and 62, Astrid, Astrid Kircher? Kircher? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm sorry. I didn't. She was a lady German photographer, and she asked the Beatles, who had, who had Pete Best as a drummer at that time, if they wouldn't mind her, her letting her take some photographs of them in a photo session. And the Beatles were impressed because other groups only had snapshots taken by perhaps a friend. And the next morning, Astrid Kircher took photographs on a place called the Hillegist Field, a municipal event area close to the Reperbahn in Germany. And she was she took the first uh, main photographs of the Beatles in early uh, Germany in 1961 and 62. Well, there was a lot of a lot of rock and roll people came through Cleveland. There's a famous photographer. I, the name escapes me, but she's got pictures of the because uh, she was the one the ones that could go up front and take pictures at these venues. Nobody, you know, at that time there weren't cell phones, and a lot of people didn't take pictures with cameras at that time. Uh, there was another person in Cleveland. Her name was Jane Scott. 
she was the one that originally interviewed the Beatles when they came to Cleveland. And she was another, you know, person that went around to the different shows and knew a lot of the groups. Mm. If you if yeah. you think if if there's any rock and roll fans, I suggest they come to if they ever get around Cleveland to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's a ton of uh, history in there. We'll give a plug yeah. to the city. Yes, I uh, I I hope to make it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one day. Yes. Plus, plus but, if you're uh, a football fan, we have the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. And they are, uh, they're not prejudiced to anybody. Anybody that was in football that deserved to be in there is there. Yeah, there have been several famous photographs of uh, football action throughout the years. Uh, I think one was taken of the four horsemen of Notre Dame back in the 1930s. Do you remember that photograph? Yes, I do. Uh, Yes. I, at the Cauliflower Alley Club, I met a fellow who was the supervisor of all the umpires. And when they, the um, when he was a regular umpire, he got laid off. And so I don't know who he knew, but he got a chance to referee at one of the WrestleManias. And he, w- he would come. I seen him a couple years when he came. That's the years of Steve Austin were there, and uh, yeah, Steve Austin came unannounced. The only one person I'd like to see come unannounced, and his mother comes quite often, is The Rock's mother. Oh, okay. Yes. Now, there should be an interesting person to me. The point is, if they ever announced him coming in, the place would be mobbed. They'd have to do it, you know, sneak him in the back way and have him, you know, uh, give an induction, uh, be at the induction ceremonies. That's coming up in September, the Cauliflower Alley Club, and I'm looking forward to going to Las Vegas. Now, have you yourself, uh, are you a good cribbage player? Because the Cauliflower Alley Club is known for its cribbage tournaments. I'm not a good. My dad used to play cribbage with the with the guys at work, so I know how to play cribbage. We oh, wanted okay. to change. It. We wanted to change it, and we suggested, but they didn't listen. We wanted to do a hold'em poker tournament where you'd buy in, and all the money raised would go to their benevolent fund. Believe it or not, Cauliflower Alley Club isn't just a fraternal. It's to help wrestlers who are down and out who can't afford to, you know, have medical bills or, or uh, can't pay for uh, for the rent. And uh, they've helped, helped out quite a few people. They don't really advertise that. They sort of keep low-key on that. I helped bring a couple wrestlers into Cauliflower, or me and a couple other fellows donated money to, for their plane flights. I'm not oh. going to mention no names, but you know they're very appreciative of the fact that we uh, we took care of them. 
Well, you know who I heard was a good cribbage player was Andre the Giant. I never did. I only seen Andre in person once. The other, the other good cribbage player was uh, Dick Byer, Dick the Destroyer, and his son is a good cribbage player. Oh wow! Okay, all right. What was your impression of, of first seeing Andre the Giant? What was your What was your impression? I couldn't believe a man had a head that big. Oh, okay. Huh. I mean, it was unbelievable how, how big he was. I mean, this this was before I was even taking pictures. This was at a WWF wrestling show in in, in Akron, Ohio, at the Jard, uh, the James James A. Rhodes Arena, and they had a traveling uh, WWF show. And I was getting something at the concession stand, and he came out. I couldn't believe it. But my uh, best friend, Kenny Jogan, wrestled Andre. He was good friends with Andre. Oh, how do you do it, Andre? He said Andre was a gentle guy. He says if Andre didn't like you, watch out. But he said Andre wouldn't try to hurt you. Andre would call everybody Boss, we're going to go there and make some money. That was one of his uh, bywords. Yes, he, he he did not like Big John Stud, and he did not like the Iron Sheik. <laughs> the Iron Sheik actually is a nice guy. I've I've met him up and close and personal. Well, for for some reason, I'm not sure what it was. He really disliked the Iron Sheik. And there's a, a, a match on YouTube where you can see where he steps on the Iron Sheik, Sheik's back, and it's legit. He just stands there. And, oh, on I his believe lower that. Oh, boy. A lot of people don't yeah. realize the Iron Sheik was nobody to mess with. He was a Shah of Iran's person, one of his bodyguards in his early days. Yes, in 1979, and he and he had to flee the country because he thought he was in danger. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Boy. All right. And I know he didn't like Big John Stud because Big John Stud made the mistake uh, when Andre was in the ring. He approached the ring for the match, and he stepped over the top rope, and and he made the uh, Big John Stud made the mistake of also saying that he was also a giant. And Andre didn't like that at all. Well, that's, you know, Andre was a very particular guy. He got insulted if you bought, like if you're going out drinking or eating, he paid for everything. He was almost like Ric Flair. He got insulted if you paid for it. Yes, yes, I, I heard about that. I think Hulk Hogan had dinner with him a couple of times, and and uh, he refused to pay. No, no, boss, I got it. That's what he said. He said, "I got check." Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, Wayne, what, did you pledge to a fraternity at the University of Akron where you went? And if so, did you have a Dean Wormer-like figure as your dean? Uh, no, I didn't. I wasn't a frat guy, sorry to say, but I know what Dean Wormer was in that. That's my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies of all times. Oh, okay. 
So you can you can confirm now that you did not have a pledge pen. No, no. <laughs> oh, okay. But All I right. do belong to a fraternity. I belong to a fraternity of wrestlers called the Cauliflower Alley Club. If you look on their Ooh, website, I'm a lifetime member. Well, now, the... uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, now in the Cauliflower Alley Club, they don't have pledges, do they? Like that, like they had at the Delta House. Oh no, 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 no. But I like to hear the stories the guys throw around, the ribs they used to pull on each other, because life used to really be boring on the road, and they used to do stuff to spice, to lighten things up. One of the guys I hear who pulled ribs on everybody, everybody loved him, was Owen Hart. Owen Hart liked Uh, him. And I heard Johnny Valentine was good, too, at pulling ribs. Ooh. I have a buddy, his name's Bob Johnson. He's, he worked the Hart family with uh, in Calgary at Stampede Wrestling. And he said Bobby Heenan pulled a rib on him for over 20 to 30 years. Bobby, when he used to run into Bobby, he'd say, Bobby, do you remember me, so-and-so? And Bobby would always deny, saying, I know, don't know you. I've never been in Calgary. And poor boy had Poor Bob befuddled. Finally, right at the end, before he passed on, he admitted to Bob that he was playing a rib on him for all those years. Yes, Bobby the Brain was known for for that, yes. And, you know, it seemed like uh, the ribs slowly faded, although it's they still are there. They kind of faded when kayfabe faded. Nowadays, you That's don't it. have that much kayfabe. Uh, so the territories, too, guys used to travel. They lived with each other. They'd go from one town to the other and spend time in motel rooms. And, you know, tr- I love to hear the old stories. And sad to say, a lot of these guys are, are fading. I just went to Dominic Benucci's wake, and Dominic used to tell us stories. Because he, he was Bruno's best friend, him and Bruno. We're in Japan together, and uh, <laughs> there's probably some I couldn't even, if I remember, couldn't even tell on the air. Oh, yeah. Some of them got kind of racy, you know. There were there were kind of like a wrestling groupie involved. Yes. Yes. Wrestling groupie. Or they call them ring rats. <laughs> yes, ring rats. Yes. There were, there were several... Uh, wrestlers who were young to the circuit that were set up in their hotel room and they had a they acted like a uh, there was a jealous husband outside the door and some of the wrestlers <laughs> had to escape through the window <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's great i remember tony Schiavone telling a story when he first met rick flair he was at one of rick flair's parties and he says rick wants to talk to you he's in the in the bedroom, he says, yeah, go in the bedroom. He said, you open the door, and Ric Flair is standing there naked. <laughs> oh. Oh, boy, that's uh, that that can turn a guy uh, kind of uh, pale. Yes. Well, he said that's how he got indoctrinated to Ric Flair. J.J. Uh, Dillon, who I'm very good friends with, tells stories that they lived like rock stars. He said Ric Flair used to, you know, 
that's true with the women and everything else. You know, they used to party, and he said they used to party all night long, and then it, you know, he looked like it would be halfway, you know, dead, and he five minutes later he's wrestling in the ring. Yeah, uh, Rick Flair doesn't have that saying about limousine riding for nothing. That's true. Yes. And you know Ric Flair had uh, re, uh, recovered from a broken back in an airplane crash. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I know. I know. I know about that. Wasn't that the one that killed uh, Greg Hammer's Valentine's father? Wasn't his? No, he didn't kill. Wasn't Greg the Hammer's father in that plane also? Oh, I'm not sure on that. I'll, uh, I'll have to. But, do. but Johnny Valentine got hurt too in a, in a wreck. And it was never the same afterwards. Mm, I'll have to check that. Check on that. I will. Uh, that's my homework assignment. Yes. Oh, okay. Could be wrong though. I'm wrong most of the time. Wow. Okay, well, uh, Mr. Palmer, can you? Tell us about what year you joined the Army, and did you take any photographs in boot camp, or did they allow you to? Uh, Well, we did at the end. I bought a Polaroid camera and took a few, you know, when we were graduating. That's the only ones. We didn't really take it when we went out on training. And there was the only cameras we had were film, and like I said, I bought a Polaroid, and I took a few. But I don't have that many pictures of the only pic- pictures I have is I have a couple of yearbooks from the army. I was drafted in 1968 and served okay. to, I served till like 1971. I like a dummy. I, I re for a year, but I got the schooling I wanted and I had fun. Actually oh, okay. it worked out well. I was an army instructor for, 26 months at Fort Gordon. It was like a civilian job. I wow. worked less hours than a lot of people worked. I was working, averaging 32 hours a week working. Oh, that's and not I bad. With, I worked mainly with civilians, too. Oh, boy. You know, now Clint Eastwood uh, served in the uh, Army uh, during the Korean War. But he got a job as a PE instructor, a swimming instructor. Talk about a lucky assignment. Clint Eastwood. Well, when, well, when I went in, since I, I, was, uh, I wasn't an American citizen yet, and my buddy said all the – he said, why don't you come in with the – go to MP school. He said all the MPs that graduated that weren't U.S. citizens ended up at Disneyland. I flew oh. that one. Yes, boy. The, the, the duty assignment was good. I spent twenty. I spent six months in Frankfurt, seven months in Frankfurt, Germany. So I had a good time there. Did you uh, Did you take any pictures of Oktoberfest? I missed Oktoberfest. I went in uh, I went in September, and I did didn't have the the weekend pass to go to Munich with the rest of the. Some of the other guys went to Oktoberfest, but I I went to the Army R and R Center in, in the in the German Alps for a few days, 
I went to Paris on my on a weekend pass. I went to Amsterdam. I went and saw the uh, lighting of the castle in Heidelberg, Germany. I went on a Rhine River cruise. So I, I think I saw a little bit when I was there. Hey, the Rhine River, a lot of people don't, uh, uh, from the United States never, one, they never make it over to Germany. They've never been to an Oktoberfest, and they've never sailed the Rhine. The, the prettiest part of Germany is actually in the Alps. The pictures oh, you see yeah. of the houses all painted up. And the people, it, there's so, it's a whole different uh, set of Germans living in, in that part of the world. In fact, you can go up on the mountains and in one of the, I think it's, I'm trying to think of the mountain you go up and you could take the, you go up by a cable car and then you could take the other cable car down and you end up in Aust- in Austria. Ooh. See, I didn't have to worry, I didn't have to worry about passports. I had a military uh, uh I had military credentials, and I could go to any of those NATO countries. Wow. Boy, that sounds very good. They, uh, they, weren't, think... they, they weren't worried about us able to get out of the country if we had to, because we were in the service. We weren't just going to, okay. you know, live illegally. Yeah, the Alps are, are very beautiful. I think Hitler had a... Uh, a, uh, a lair up there uh, called Bertus Garden. Bertus Garden, yeah. yeah. The only thing I didn't get to see, there's a new Weissenstein castle, the one that's copied in Disney. Disneyland was copied from the one in Germany. But I didn't get a chance to go see that. But otherwise, I was satisfied. I was happy oh, to get home, good. too. Yes. Yes, that's well. That's that's very interesting. When you left the army, were you an E four? No, I was an E five. Wow, I was a sergeant. I was, uh, I was up for E six, but it never happened. But that, but the guy was gonna. Uh, well, if I would have stayed stateside, I might have made E six. Wow, that's that's rapidly so that moving. Was during, that was during the Viet the Vietnam conflict, so guys were getting promoted left and right. So it's a little different going over to Germany as an NCO than going over as a regular, uh, you know, private. Because I had to take a car over to Germany. Or I could have bought one in Germany and took it home. I had the right for household furnishings. Hey, wow, that's okay. All right. Well, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Palmer, I have a uh, message here to ask you if uh, boot camp was anything like the stripes that Bill Murray went through. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not really. Could you mean have had fun like that? No. You mean you you didn't have a drill sergeant uh, uh, like uh, Sergeant Holka? <laughs> we had a drill sergeant like Jack Webb. Oh yes, he was in, he was in a movie called The DI. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, our our basic training wasn't the worst. The Marines were the was the hardest. 
Army, Navy was second, and the Air, the Air Force was the easiest. Or Merchant Marine. Yes, uh, I there, there's also Coast Guard boot camp, which is pretty tough. Coast Guard. But Coast Guard is one of the few military branches you can go to that you actually learn to do something. Because a lot yes. of Coast Guard people get out and get jobs on these merchant ships, and it's a good paying uh-huh. job. Yes. There was uh, several famous people that went through uh, and were um, served in the Coast Guard. One was <laughs> one that, that served in the 1930s was the heavyweight boxing champ Jack Dempsey. Did you know he was an officer in the Coast Guard? No, I Jack didn't. Jack Dempsey. Yes. The old, the other off the other person I knew that was an officer was Otto Graham of the Browns, was in the Coast Guard. And I oh. think he was an officer. Oh, Otto Graham. He was at the Great Lakes uh, Naval uh, Base. I don't know where it's at, up in, around Chicago. I don't oh. know whether he was in the reserves or regular, but he was in the Coast Guard. There's pictures of him in an officer's uniform. Wow. Holy smokes. And there was also Cesar Romero, the person that played the Joker in the original Batman series. He was a bosun's mate. Uh, the other famous guy that was served military time was Roger Staubach. Uh, yes. Yes, he graduated he from the Academy. From the Academy, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, Wayne, one last question before we wrap up the show. If you could travel back in time and be on the set of Seinfeld, who would you most like to photograph out of all the main characters? Uh, I like George and Kramer as a, as a, as a group and the soup Nazi. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh. the soup Nazi. I thought so. Okay. All right. Will, if you had a choice between David Putty, Elaine's boyfriend, or Kenny Banya, the comedian that said Ovaltine, uh, why don't they why don't they call it Round Teen? That's gold, Jerry. Gold. Which one would you prefer to photograph? Uh, I really have no choice, to be honest with you. Oh. <laughs> I just love to get. I just love to be on the set and photograph them, and because they probably cut up, you know, and said, you know, some of the some of the scenes are so funny. I don't see how they keep straight faces. Do you believe, Mr. Palmer, that you you could match Elaine Bennett and dancing skills? Thing. Say it again. Do you believe you could uh, match Elaine Benison's dancing skills? No, not really. I love her dancing skills, though. I'd love to have seen her on American Bandstand. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah. The look look on Dick Clark's face. Or on Soul Train. (laughs) She might fit in Soul Train a little easier than American Bandstand. That might be true, yes. Boy, that I would pay big money to see Elaine Bennis uh, dance. 
uh, on those shows. <laughs> I loved watching the dance segments on, on Soul Train when they had the line dancing. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of the, they'd form a they'd form like a um a uh, kind of like a pathway and they uh, the t- they'd be two sides of the crowd of the crowd clapping as the people walked down the middle. Yes. Yes. I understand they okay. used to shoot like a whole month at a months months they had they had to take about seven changes of clothes for some of those wow. shows because they filmed more than one segment. Holy smokes, that's a boy. Yeah, a lot of people don't don't realize or or that they, that there were shows like uh, like that out there that catered to dancing and music. Yes. Okay. Well, Wayne, we've come to that part of the show where we wrap up. And if you want to plug anything, like your like your favorite dance show or your favorite cribbage that, that you take to the Cauliflower Holy Club, the floor is all yours. The only thing I'm going to plug is the Cauliflower Alley Club, the International Wrestling Hall of Fame, and the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. If you really want to, uh, really want to be part of a wrestling family, I suggest you go to one of those organizations, and you can check them out. Okay. All right. Well, Wayne Palmer, it's been very good to have you on our photography um, uh, month, and I thank you for your service in the Army. Okay, it was a pleasure being on the radio show, and if you ever want me on again, just email me. I'll be happy to do it and tell stories in the best of my ability. All right, Mr. Palmer, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, and hopefully we can do this again. Okay, thank you. Maybe one of you people can come to uh, Las Vegas sometime. We'll sit down and have uh, over some drinks at the bar. Though I don't drink, but I'll buy you. I'll buy you. Buy you a beer. Oh, okay. All right. Or we could meet at Alcatraz or Gettysburg and take some pictures of a haunted battlefield in prison. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yes. Once a Golden Age is back when they had the older cars. <laughs>